Hello, faithful listeners. This is Pastor John Cloudwater from Faith Lutheran Church here in Forest Lake, and we are so glad that you are listening online to our online podcast. Welcome you to worship anytime on Sundays at 9 a.m. or 10.30, and thanks for being here. Thanks for participating in worship with us as we look forward to the week ahead. A gospel reading from the 24th chapter of Matthew. Glory to you, O Lord. Jesus said to the disciples, About that day and hour no one knows, neither the angels of heaven nor the Son, but only the Father. For as the days of Noah were, so will be the coming of the Son of Man. For as in those days before the flood they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage, until the day Noah entered the ark, and they knew nothing until the flood came and swept them all away so too will be the coming of the Son of Man. Then two will be in the field, one will be taken and one will be left. Two women will be grinding meal together, one will be taken and one will be left. Keep awake, therefore, for you do not know on what day your Lord is coming. But understand this, if the owner of the house had known in what part of the night the thief was coming, he would have stayed awake and would not have left his house to be broken into. Therefore, you also must be ready, for the Son of Man is coming at an unexpected hour. The Gospel of the Lord. You may be seated. Grace and peace to you, my siblings in Christ. Well, our family did something really special on Tuesday night. We took our church directory photos. We needed two time slots for them to accommodate all of us. And sure enough, we got there, and I think we needed every minute. Just to make sure that everybody was properly posed, and everyone was smiling, and all of us had our faces lined up at the exact moment that he took the picture to make sure that we got at least, at least one decent shot. Well, thanks a lot, Sullivan. On uh, almost every single picture, Sullivan either had his mouth open or a goofy look. Every family's got one, right? We have a Sullivan. He was the sheep in our video today, if you are trying to make a connection. But despite the shenanigans of Sullivan, we did finally, I think, get one picture that was usable for the directory. And so it'll be fun to see how that turns out when those directories do get published in the near future. Did Sullivan actually give us a nice smile? I'm just as curious as you are. (laughs) It's nice to have one of the things on our family to-do list done as Christmas approaches This next month, these next 28 days will be busy. The season of waiting, for me, often feels like a blink of an eye, and then it's over. And so after two full days of guests at our house on Thanksgiving, yes, even more than these kids, we had all the cousins over, we had all the food, we had a blast, we had a great time, and by yesterday afternoon, we were ready for things to kind of quiet down. And then we faced an unexpected little surprise. Something was off with our Oliver, and really off. His heart rate was out of control. His temperature spiked. 
And he was panicked, and, and things weren't going very well. He had a pained look on his face. We hadn't seen that type of reaction from him in a long time. Uh, there was a time early in Oliver's life where he was on hospice for a while, and he was uh, preparing us to say goodbye to him in many instances during that time. And, and eventually he ended up graduating and bouncing back and was able to find this period of stability. And so he's been quite stable for over a decade now. But we have to be very cautious with him. We kind of look for some of the signs and things that might be a little off. And yesterday, those warning signs went off with abundance. And so as we saw him struggling uh, with a kiddo like that, we don't quite know what's in store for him. So we uh, brought him in, and he got a nice little ride in the ambulance with mom. And the two of them had some time at the, at the children's hospital while I had to pack up a few essentials and follow them uh, a little bit later. So I followed them, and, and we were all there at the ER for a while. We left the older girls in charge with the rest of the, uh, well, the rest of them. And so you can imagine how well that went. They've already been hopped up on sugar from the last couple of days, and everyone's kind of a little tired because they've been staying up really late. So, so I said to the older girls, I was like, look, here's the deal. I know it's going to be really tempting because they're going to fight. They're going to be struggling. They probably won't even listen to you. But try not to get really mad at them. Just try to have some peace. Try to be calm. When they want to fight over the remote, don't blow up at them. When they're fighting over toys, just give them some space. In many ways, I think it was my way of trying to check my own emotions and my own stress, my own anxiety. It's not easy because oftentimes in those stressful situations is when the emotions and the stress can blurt out in many ways. Even at the hospital last night, Taryn reminded me of this when I got short with someone. She was like, John, knock it off. The last thing that I want to be is ungrateful, yet when I'm worried about my kid, sometimes my guard comes down. So at first glance, in a reading like this, probably not the reading you were expecting today, it might seem like Jesus is condemning us for letting our guard down. We always got to be on. Okay, that's hard to do. We enter this season before Christmas with a very un-Christmas-like reading, and it gets this sense of fear and an ominous warning attached to a message about Jesus. About that day and hour no one knows. Two will be left in the field. One will be taken and one will be left. Two women will be grinding meal together. One will be taken and one will be left. You don't know what day your Lord is coming. So be ready. The Son of Man is coming at an unexpected hour. Merry Christmas. Whew, I know, right? This isn't quite what our hearts were ready for as we strolled into worship today. Modern storytellers have seized upon this passage. They stir up biblical fear-mongering and threats. Get it right to make sure that you're not left behind. But here's the thing. If it were left up to us to make sure that we were alert and awake and completely prepared for whatever that event is, I'm not too confident that any of us are really up for that challenge. I get a little bit snappy when I'm hungry. 
As we heard from Becky, sometimes the, the thoughts of trying to do the right thing and trying to wake up and do your devotionals, sometimes it doesn't happen. I can get short with well-meaning people when I see my son in pain. I know that I can't always trust that I'm going to be on my best behavior at all times and in all places. Because guess what? I am human. I know that if Jesus took me to the Garden of Gethsemane to pray with him, I would have fallen asleep very quickly. I probably would have been the first one, just like his disciples. Ladies and gentlemen, I am a horrible example of a perfect Christian. So thank God that's not what it's all about. You know, context really does matter here. Matthew is writing this story because he is a Jewish author writing to a Jewish audience of new believers. Believers in the resurrection and that Jesus is the Son of God, the Messiah that they've been waiting for. It just comes in a different package than they've been expecting. Matthew's gospel does not jump right into the birth of Jesus, but he actually begins by listing a genealogy, a long list of really hard-to-pronounce names for us in Minnesota, but the names of the people who came before Jesus. It goes all the way back to Abraham, and it connects to the birth through Mary. You want to know a secret? In that genealogy, there are a lot of really, really messed up ancestors, people who've done some really, really bad and shady things. People who've done things that they wouldn't always want to be remembered for. But Matthew knows his audience. He knows that these people that he's sharing this story with know the people of their past. He knows that these are stories of redemption and forgiveness, of thankfulness and grace. These are our stories of our people over many Many generations. But there's a twist. Matthew also knows about a very destructive event that has already happened. Much like a scene playing out in Ukraine after the Russian bombings, the city of Jerusalem had faced a similar fate in the year of 70 AD, the siege of Jerusalem. So as Matthew writes this story of predictions of a temple being destroyed by Jesus, by Jesus, which have now conveniently come true, it's because they really did happen. The siege happens in AD 70. He writes this story down between the years of 80 and 90, at least 10 years after the destruction of the temple. Do you want to know how Matthew is so accurate at describing what the end times look like? He lived it. And he lived. He lived to tell about it. He lived to tell us about how a Savior was born from humble beginnings and how this Savior would be the fulfillment of what was promised. The destruction of the temple wasn't enough to destroy the faith of second-generation Christians. They didn't all survive, but enough did. That story carried forward all the way to this day. We don't have to be scared. We don't have to bear the weight of the entire future of the church on our shoulders. We also don't have to spend time pulling out this Matthew text to scare people into believing in Jesus. 
If that was your first exposure to Jesus, I don't know if that's the story that I would want to lead with. Scare tactic evangelism isn't the kind of way that I want to know about a loving God. I think the best in us is seeing when we face the fears and challenges of faith and when of of the of our faith and when we resist those urges to give up and quit. I had coffee with a with a good friend Pastor Jenny. She's a dreamer. She's someone who's leading this initiative to help get another shelter in Washington County. And we're asking you, if you haven't signed a letter of advocacy for it, to gra- uh, grab one of those at the welcome desk. Pastor Jenny and I talked about some of the things in our world that are causing fear and division, whether that's the war in Ukraine or evil across the world. We talked about division and anger within our own culture, about human rights violations, threats to equality, income disparity, and the brokenness of systems trying to help our neighbors. And so Pastor Jenny told me about what her mindset was. She said, joy can be an act of resistance. Joy can be a way to conquer fear and resist those forces that want us to back down and just accept our fate. She shared with me how that shift in thinking was healing for her. Joy isn't happiness. It's not this Pollyanna look at the world. Joy for Pastor Jenny is the first response that she gave. A smile. A positive comment. Maybe a dose of grace when those forces of fear are looking to knock us down and squelch our spirits. It gave me a sense of hope as I talked to her. I was excited to think about how that message of joy could truly change the way we look at our relationships with each other, with our stuff, with our money, even with our bodies. Could joy as an act of resistance bring about healthier emotions, maybe in turn healthier bodies? Last night, in the midst of this struggle with the uncertainty of Oliver's health hanging in the balance, it was a great reminder for me to turn to joy while resisting the temptation to be afraid. Oliver was able to come home. His journey for one day came to an end. We still have many questions about what that future is. But I know that fear, fear doesn't evaporate. It's not gone. But fear doesn't get to win. That last line, be ready, the Son of Man is coming at an unexpected hour. Great. Bring it on, Jesus. God's not seeking perfection. God's seeking preparation. Like the waters of baptism over Hannah. We are tasked with preparing and walking alongside of each other to live as Christ has taught us. Have we placed God first? Are our hearts pointed to Christ? Do we live for others and the world that God has made? Do we serve with joy in our hearts? A joy that can overcome the temptations of jealousy or suspicion or greed or coveting. We'll get bombarded with messages like this. About what to give. If what we've given is enough. If what we're doing with our time is the right thing to do over these next 28 days. 
We might be filled with anxiety or fears, stress about what we see in the world around us. And we can't always ignore those messages, but we can choose our response. Choose to be prepared. Choose to be centered on Christ and choose joy. Amen. We hope these words will strengthen you as you live out your daily life. If you would like to know more about Faith Lutheran, leave a prayer request, or financially support our mission and ministry, please go to our website at faithfl.org. May God bless you in the days ahead.